A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. I'm Chris Elias. I'm your host today. And uh, we've got a really interesting topic, something maybe a little bit different than, than some of the other things that we've talked about. We talked a lot about transform- transformation and have brought in a number of transformative experts. And um, today we're going to actually go down a little bit more of a scientific path and talk neuroscience and um, inward training or internal training, uh, a number of topics that, that maybe we've heard about, but in, in the business world, we don't understand fully. And yet this is super powerful stuff for leaders. And so I, I actually have the pleasure of introducing Joey Klein, an, an expert in this, um, in this field. And, um, you know, we'll just talk about how we can be stronger leaders. Good morning, Joey. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, it's good to have you. Good to have you. So, uh, let's let's start. Let's let's just kind of tee up a little bit about who you are for the audience. So, so um, give us a little bit of your history and how did you get into um, this this world of neuro- neuroscience, internal training, as as I think you put it. If I'm getting the language correct, um, you know, doing what you do today, and um, and let's talk a little bit about what you do, so we can kind of tee up some things for our listeners that can help them. Sure thing. Absolutely. So I um, actually found my way into what I do in a very unconventional way. Uh, I started my journey really because I was in a place in my life, my young adulthood, where, you know, life just wasn't really working out. I was in a lot of pain, mostly emotional pain, didn't know what I wanted to do with myself, etc. So I kind of threw myself into the world of what we think of as personal development. Um, that ended up taking me literally all over the world, studying everything from internal training, meditation, to psychology, to neuroscience, you know, you name it. I kind of threw myself into it, just looking at, you know, how do I figure myself out? How do I find a sense of, of peace and fulfillment, you know, for myself? And what do I want to do? Um, I got rather good at it. And I had friends and family just sort of asking me questions about what I was studying. You know, what were the things I was doing? What were the practices I was up to? And I was an avid martial artist this, this entire time. And so organically, I started kind of coaching people inside of internal training and teaching people how to train or manage their, their emotions and feelings and help them to connect the dots around how that translated to uh, specific outcomes that they wanted to achieve in their life, whether it was their career or their relationships with their significant other or family or otherwise, or maybe they had goals around health that they weren't able to quite achieve. And, uh, you know, we looked at it from an internal approach as to why they weren't getting those results. Uh, at the time I was a martial artist, uh, I was really good when I was training. Like when I was in the dojo and we were practicing, I could execute very well. But then when I went into competitions, uh, I would freeze up and, and I would choke essentially. And I would forget the form. I wouldn't be able to execute well when I was fighting in a match, etc. And I was trying to figure out like, well, why is it that I do so well when I'm in the dojong and then I go to competition and I'm essentially missing the mark. And I realized that my emotional space was completely different in one space to the other. And when I realized that when I was in the dojong, I was just sort of having fun and, and, you know, it was enjoyable for me. And then when I went to the tournament, I focused on winning and uh, anxiety and fear was there for me. 
uh, when I taught myself to sort of show up in competition with a sense of just joy and fun and I forgot about winning, all of a sudden I started winning all the time. And that led me to three consecutive world championships. And then I realized that there is this obvious connection between um, our internal space, right? The emotions that we feel, the ways that we're thinking and external performance. They're, they're uh, codependent on each other, so to speak. Um, and then I, I got well known as a performance coach and ended up training some of the, uh, the most successful people uh, of our time, you know, top executives, top CEOs, uh, top movie producers, actors, actresses, etc. And I really became known for showing people how to sort of align their internal space for external performance. Yeah. So the field of emotional intelligence, which is, is somewhat what, what you're touching on, you know, founded or thought founded by Daniel Goldman, among others, um, really has become a topic of late. Even though it's been around a while, I, I think it took a long time for the business world, uh, or at least for some people in the bus- business world, to acknowledge and understand that emotions do drive performance and that there is a lot going on at the subconscious. Um, you know, well, tell me a little bit about, you know, a little bit more directly about how does that emotional intelligence um directly affect our performance in, in, you know, how, how did you actually figure out how to free up your mind? Yeah, absolutely. So when I look at emotional intelligence, I look at it and I train people to think of it actually quite literally. Um, what I find is that there's a lot of good work out there right now about sort of defining why emotional intelligence is important, but there's not a lot of great places that really show us how to train and develop that increased emotional capacity so that it does translate to performance on our behalf. And so for me, you know, we've all had that experience where we've gotten upset, right? Or maybe really angry, maybe at the office, you know, maybe we're just under stress and pressure around different things that are happening. And then, you know, we felt like, like righteous and we felt like we were clear and we said something to our spouse or significant other, or we wrote an email and then we sent it and it seemed all on point, but then we sleep on it, right? And then we wake up the next day and we look at the email we sent when we're no longer angry. And all of a sudden we're like, geez, I, I hope I still have a job tomorrow, right? Like I definitely should not have sent that email. That was not the way to handle it. Or we feel regret for the way we, we treated somebody when we're no longer upset and angry. Um, and so if we're able to like just do something as simple as take note when we're not in a great inner experience or inner state emotionally and learn to shift that space, right, to a place where we're a little bit more calm or a little bit more optimistic, right, or a little bit more open, if we want to call it that, all of a sudden the exact same situation occurs to us differently and what actions occur to us to take are also completely different. And so for me, uh, the emotion that we feel literally defines the level of intelligence that we're accessing and the level of capacity that we have in that moment. From the neurological perspective, if we look at it just from a straight brain perspective, when the brain is in fight or flight mode, which basically is any fear-based emotion, sadness, shame, guilt, resentment, anger, we could go on with that list, we're in fight or flight, right? Fight, flight, or freeze. And we lose access to critical thinking or creative thinking. When our prefrontal cortex is most active and we're in from a brain perspective, a neurological perspective, we'll call it a love-based state, then we have access to creative thinking and critical thinking. We have access to intuition. And that coincides with an indication like peace, joy, happiness, inspiration. So we're literally more intelligent when we're driving from what we'll call this love-based state neurologically as opposed to a fear-based state where we literally have the inability to think clearly. 
Yeah, it's it, it, it's funny that you're saying it that way. A number of years ago, actually, when I left the corporate world and I was kind of on my own kind of, let's call it self-discovery path, you know, figuring out what the next level of career was going to be, et cetera, I remember attending this conference and there was um, an expert on emotional intelligence speaking. And, you know, they actually went into some of the pure physiological science that's tied to it as well. So, you know, we think in terms of emotions, I think a lot of people think in terms of emotions as, oh, it's just this stuff that happens in our brain and in our mind. But, but there's, there, there is actually uh, physical responses going on in our body. Um, you know, the fear-based emotions uh, are, are usually triggering an adrenal response in your system. And, yeah. um, you know, part of what I learned then is when adrenaline is running in your system, it causes, I don't know if, I don't know if I get the language right, but it causes your heart to pump a certain way and blood moves really to your extremities in that fight or flight. It's a self-protection mechanism when adrenaline is running and when it's running to your hands and feet and extremities it's running away from your brains. And, you know, you mentioned the love based and, and part of what they talked about is the serotonin response, the, uh, the opposite of the adrenaline, that serotonin gets pumping and it creates a more creative state of the mind versus um, this adrenal state. So it's, it's not just this kind of fuzzy stuff that happens with our emotions that we don't understand. There's, there's actually physical science behind what's going on and, and it can be triggered a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point, when we're in that that fear-based stimulus, the other thing is the stress hormone that everybody's pretty familiar with now, cortisol, right? Like those oh, yeah. levels go up significantly. And I've I've trained so many uh, you know, you know, high executives or entrepreneurs who are like hypertension, right? They have hypertension or they're pre-hypertension in terms of their heart rate and things of this nature. And, you know, when you get angry, your adrenaline is shooting through the body. You know, that's a toxin to the body, especially when it's happening on a regular consistent basis. It puts stress on your organs, your liver, your kidneys have to get rid of that stuff. And so if we're in a perpetual, we'll call it stress state like this, and we don't know how to alleviate it, it literally affects our health in a pretty negative way. And now we're very familiar with this idea of stress, right? You go to the doctor and they're like, Hey man, you need to de-stress. And the typical advice is like, we'll go to a beach and like, go chill out for a weekend or something or a week. Um, but you know, then we just think about our problems while we're at the beach and we come home and you know, life is still waiting for us there. And I've trained so many clients inside of simple techniques where they can start learning to turn those fear-based responses off turn on those more love-based responses from a neurological and nervous system perspective, and all of a sudden their hypertension goes away. All of a sudden their high blood pressure goes away. And I'm not saying it's a cure-all by any measure, but if a lot of those physiological issues are actually emotionally related, then you can do a lot for your health and your performance just by learning how to manage this stuff. And we've all had that experience of just, you know, it's just, it's just exhausting to be angry. It's exhausting to feel anxiety and stress. And, you know, when we go out and we're dancing or something, or we're doing something that we enjoy, or we're hanging out with friends and we start enjoying ourselves in the moment, the hours just start passing. And all of a sudden it's super late. Normally we would kind of note we were tired, but we don't notice that we're tired and we're going long into the night and we still have plenty of energy. And so, you know, one reality is energy depleting and we have to work twice as hard to get ourselves to do the things that we're doing. And the other space, our nervous system is operating in a way where it's actually energy producing and it gives us a lot more to put into the things that we would like to be doing. Yeah, you know, admittedly, I'm one of those people that, that would love to find a couple times a year to go someplace, whether it, whether it's out in your neck of the woods where I find a beach and put my, my, my feet. So uh, for the listeners, Joey's out in California. Um, and being here in Michigan where, you know, the show is uh, running while we're having some very cold weather, um, sounds really good. But we're running down to the Caribbean and sticking my feet in the sand. You know, it, it does feel good for a little period of time, but 
you never do turn things off. I mean, I still look at my emails once a day, even though I probably shouldn't. And it's just, it's, it's like temporary. I, I think of it as you're just sticking a bandaid on it. You're not, you're not solving the root cause issue. Right. Exactly. And especially like modern society today, we're, we're in a perpetual stress state, even low anxiety for most, like, like most people, just because we are constantly stimulated. We're looking at emails within two to three minutes of waking up is the average. Uh, you know, they clip up their phone, they look at social media or their emails, and then all day long, we're actively engaged with something. And most of our focus is constantly, you know, what's going on outside. I need to take care of the kids. What's going on at work? How do I manage my people? You know, uh, now I'm getting home. Like, how do I get the kids to bed? Now I got to do the dinner thing. It's like, we, we like, like flip the switch on. We're on. We don't stop until hopefully we go to sleep. But many of us, we're not sleeping well now because we can't shut the mind off. And we're thinking about the day, even when we need to be resting. And, and this like perpetual state of just being on constantly never gives us the ability to rejuvenate, replenish, which is so essential to keep the body going. But then it doesn't also give us space to gain perspective on what things are, are going on, right? It's kind of like the forest and the trees analogy. If we're constantly in the action of all the things that we're doing and we don't stop to take a moment and step out of the things that are occurring, we can't really witness it from, from an objective place, from outside of what's going on and be able to see the best approach in terms of how to go from where we are to where we want to go. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it's compounded by our environment, right? I mean, so for, again, for the listeners who may be listening to this recording after, after the show airs, um, you know, we're recording this right in the middle of the COVID pandemic and we're not leaving the houses in a lot of places and we're not, you know, you don't, you don't really get a break. You know, in my particular world, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to be traveling. So maybe I'll have a little bit more downtime, but client work has picked up. And when, when my quote unquote work is done for the day, I don't jump on an airplane or in a car and have some unwind time or anything like that. I'm right into the family and working on stuff around the house. And there is, there is literally no break in, in, in time. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people right now, they, they have less time because now the kids are home from school. Right. Like all of a sudden you're working full time and you're figuring out homeschooling for the kids and you've become a teacher. And, you know, the realities have actually compounded because a lot of the support systems that people have had have been eliminated. So, you know, now we're just being asked to do more and manage higher stress. And so now all of a sudden the things that might have taken 10 years to sort of develop um, physically now might happen in a year in terms of illnesses and things like that. Or we just notice that, uh, you know, instead of a level one or two stress, we've got like a level eight and it's constant and we're going, what do I do? Well, and, and yeah, and, and it's easy to take a look at the current times with, with COVID, but this has been, this has been coming, right? These have been trends that have, have been coming and have changed. I mean, technology has changed how we operate. I mean, Oh, okay, I'll date myself a little bit here. I mean, you look a little younger. I never asked you your age, but I still remember the time that we had to wait for regular mail, right? And then mm-hmm. I can remember our company getting the first fax machine to make things. It was for our advertising department to make approvals for ads a lot quicker, but it took, I forget, it was like 10 minutes for a fax to go through, but I guess it was it was faster than driving. And then, of course, then we, we got into the world of what was called cellular phones and then mobile phones and then email started coming into play. Now text. Now you've got, you've basically got an instant gratification society. And when, when it's all about, I need it now, we never really get to turn ourselves off for any period of time. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, anyway, I, I want to explore. Let's, we'll keep going deeper. I, I've got a bunch of questions based on what you've said, uh, but we're already up on our first break. Time flies. And so um, it's time to kind of, uh, you know, take a moment. We'll take, we'll take our own little breather here for a second. And uh, for the listeners, maybe it's a chance to, for you to take a little bit of a breather. And when we come back, we'll be with Joey Klein and we'll go a little bit further. Be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit MexicuteGroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E Group.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Joey Klein. So, Joey, um, when we were talking a few minutes ago, I, you really piqued my interest with some of your, your your discussion about, you know, being a martial artist and everything and um, having family members who've done that before. I tried it a little bit myself, but I wasn't really all that good at it. Um, but but setting that aside, you know, I was really interested in 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 the commentary you had about, um, you know, you did really well when, when you were practicing, you were in the dojon and you were doing, you know, you were doing it on your own, you were having fun. But then when you got into competition, at least early on, you would freeze. And I'm going to guess you, you weren't doing very well at that point in time. But, um, you know, that being the catalyst for you to start exploring the emotional part of this and how it works um, leads me to a kind of a question. I mean, how did you even recognize that this is a problem or that this is holding you back? You know, tell, tell me a little bit about your discovery path, because I think for any of us, we can't solve a problem that we don't recognize in the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, at the time, you know, I was I was doing internal training and I was definitely involved in this personal development stuff, trying to kind of better myself. And so looking back, um, that, that really kind of helped me uh, figure out what to do. And what I did was I would notice, you know, how I felt, you know, what I was doing when I was, when I was training and then I was performing really well. Like there's very few people that, you know, held their own with me when I was performing. And then when we would go to tournament, some of the guys I would compete against were in my gym. And so I'd already been competing against them in the dojo. And then I would lose to them in competition. And literally they would come up to me and be like, 
I never thought I was, I was just going to win that. They're like, I don't even know how I won. And then I'm like, I'm like super pissed off. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how you did either. And I just wanted to like spread something. Right. Uh, because I knew I wasn't performing to my, my capacity. And so was, I started was looking there this, um, this, sorry to interrupt, but was, was there almost a snowball effect of emotions going on? And, and did this kind of, before you had this recognition, um, did it get worse event after event? Were you starting to kind of, um, let your emotions get in the way before you even got started? I, I mean, I don't know that it was worse. I didn't notice it at the time as worse. I was just in two completely different realities is yeah. what I ultimately, ultimately came to realize. And so what I started paying attention to is I was like, well, what am I doing when I'm at the dojong as opposed to when I'm in competition? And I thought, well, am I standing differently? Am I breathing differently? Um, what am I thinking about before I go in the ring? And I noticed like physically I wasn't doing anything differently. I was gearing up the same way. I had my equipment. You know, I was putting in my mouthpiece the same way, like physically everything was exactly the same. And then I started to pay attention to, well, how am I thinking about this process? And that's where it started. And I realized that when I was at the gym, I was literally just focused on what I was doing and concentrating on executing the techniques at hand. Like my focus was purely on the moment and the techniques that I was executing. And I was looking for my openings and, and creating my strategy actively. Like 100% of my focus mentally was on what I was doing. When I looked at what I was focusing on when I would go to competition, I was focusing on how I had to win and what it would mean if I won and what it would mean if I lost and what did I need to do to win. And I would constantly be there uh, before anything started, before a match, my mind would drift there during a match, especially when it started to not go well. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose again. Here it comes. When I was winning, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to win. I'm doing really well. And so like, I wasn't focused on what I was actually doing when I was competing. And so I realized there was a big emotional difference there. So what I tried to do initially was just think differently when I was in competition, but I noticed it wasn't enough. I would keep going back to the thing called winning, even though I was trying to focus on the, the technique and the strategy at hand. And then I started noticing, oh, I'm in two completely different emotional feelings, one space to the next. When I was at the dojo, it was joy, fun, and connection. I was with people that I liked hanging out with. A lot of the people I trained with were my friends, and I was literally just having fun. When I was at tournament, anxiety was there. There was a bit of fear there. And um, I would say, you know, I was in a stressed state. I was frustrated, especially because, you know, I was not performing the way that I could. So that was all there before I ever got started. And so what I did was I started to teach myself how to bring that experience of just fun and joy, which gave me the ability to focus on what I was doing, the technique at hand, the strategy at hand, the moment. And that's where things started to turn around. Yeah. And so, you know, if I, if I shift now to, to people in the business world, you know, our audience or really anybody anywhere, um, you know, how, how does somebody recognize then? I, you know, so you caught yourself, you, you recognized the issue, you started exploring it. Um, I, and I think under maybe extreme crisis or, you know, maybe you're sitting in front of your doctor and they're telling you, you know, if you don't reduce stress, you're going to have a heart attack or whatever the case may be. I mean, there are eye-opening moments that any of us can face, but, but in a normal daily work, um, how, how do we even recognize that we're entering that state? What are, what are maybe some of the, the telltale signs? What are things that, that our, our listeners should be aware of or self-aware enough to say, you know what, I got to pause here and rethink this or, or, or change? You know, I think there, there's two things that we want to train and there's, there's a simple technique to start. And essentially the two things we need to train is, is awareness and sensitivity. It's, it's fascinating. One of my mentors said to me once, they said, Joey, 
just know that you are always going to be the hardest person for you to see. And, and the first time I heard that, I thought it was crazy because I was like, yeah, but I live with myself every day. I, I, I kind of prided myself in knowing myself pretty well and so on and so forth. And then I realized that there are a lot of experiences that I was having and a lot of things that were going on that I didn't know were going on. And so initially it starts with a simple check-in and it's, it's asking a question in this moment, where am I specifically? How do I feel? Like, what do I feel emotionally? And then number two, what's going on with my body? Because one is an indication of the other. So if I stop for just a moment and I take five seconds, like, a, like we could all do it right now, and you just go, hey, in this moment, how do I feel? And you look to see what emotion is present for me. Um, sometimes people are really good at naming it. They can say I'm sad or I'm happy or I'm joyful or I'm angry. And other, uh, others of us, we, we don't have that level of, of intelligence yet emotionally. We don't know what to say. Is it, you know, what am I feeling? We don't have the label. So instead, we just want to look at, hey, do I feel a general sense of contraction, fear-based, or do I feel a general sense of expansion, love-based? Like, like it's an indication of where my brain is. Is my brain in creative thinking, critical thinking, or right now is my brain shut down? Do I feel a sense of expansion or contraction? It can be, you know, as simple as that. And then the second space to tune in is what am I doing with my body? If my arms are crossed, if I have tension in my body, if I'm breathing fast, those are all indications that I'm in a fear-based state emotionally. And so I can sort of notice the sensations of the body and use that to kind of inform where I am at an emotional level if I'm not so great at, at, at being sensitive to it yet. On the other side, if my body feels relaxed, if my breathing is slower and deep, um, if, if my shoulders are open, uh, like literally the position that I'm holding with my physicality is more relaxed, then I can probably assume I'm in more along those lines of those love-based states. So the first step is really getting to know where I am. And it really is as simple as asking the question and starting to pay attention. Once we ask the question and just pay attention, the information will start to be there. Yeah. And um, I, I think what I'm hearing from you is, I mean, certainly there's, there's, you know, asking these questions can get you there, but there's also, there's also a little bit of discipline, right? I, I think one of the things that we, we teach a lot with our clients is with any, any of the tools, a lot of the leadership stuff we do, you know, theories and concepts are easy, but the discipline's a little bit more difficult here. So, you know, I, I think that these are excellent pointers and, you know, we have to have the discipline to actually stop and check too. Yeah. Right. I mean, so somebody who's new to this, um, might have to put in, let's say, something artificial. Maybe, maybe it's a reminder that hits your phone three or four times a day. I think about the Apple Watch, that if you sit someplace too long, you know, it kind of taps you and says, remember to breathe or whatever it is, or it's time to stand up and walk around. Or, you know, Do you find that, that people need some form of a, a, a trigger early on to build some of these habits? Because, again, this isn't just a switch. We're, nobody's going to listen to the show. and Well, maybe somebody will, but a lot of people are going to listen to the show, and they're going to say, this is great, but what's going to happen three weeks from now when they haven't built a habit? Yeah, no, for sure. Like I think uh, creating the space where it's going to happen is key. So I think the, the two strategies to use are put in your calendar, like when you're going to do a check-in, like literally, even if it's just two minutes, oh, upon waking from this time to this time, I'm going to do my check-in. And then in the evening from this time to this time, I'm going to do my check-in so that we have a plan for when it's going to happen. And we sort of, we, we carve a space out to literally just tune in, where are we with ourselves? Like what's happening with me? Um, and even if it's just started, I know it sounds silly to like, like schedule two minutes, but again, we're constantly in action. So if we start with just two minutes 
at least we're getting the job done. And it's going to remind us to do that periodically throughout the day. The second thing you can do is exactly right. Like use your phone. Like most of us have a droid or an iPhone or whatever, just program several alarms in there with a special ringtone. That's just a reminder to go, Oh, I need to pay attention. Like stop. How do I feel? Where am I? Right. How do I feel? Where am I? How do I feel emotionally? Where's my mind focused? How do I feel? Where's my mind focused? If we can do that consistently with those little schedules for ourselves and some, some reminders to do it throughout the day, then eventually it'll just become a reflex where it's like, oh, I'm talking with somebody. And before I respond, I can take two seconds, five seconds, and I just know where I am. And sometimes that two to five seconds, just knowing where I am saves me because I realize that I'm agitated or I, I just got a little offended or maybe I feel a little embarrassed. And the, the approach I'm about to take, I realize is not going to have the impact on the other person I want. It's not going to move toward the outcome I want to achieve. And so that two seconds, two to five seconds, if I practice a little bit, sometimes saves me because I can redirect and, and literally not engage something I was about to engage. So that's where it leads. But doing the check-in to your point and, and definitely creating something where we're practicing it is key for it to ever uh, become a useful, uh, a useful reflex, a useful tool. So there are a number of different personality types and depending on, you know, whose work you read and let's face it, I mean, you know, personality emotions have been, you know, the center of a work of art for a very, very long time, thousands of years in some regards, if you go back to Socrates and Plato, but, you know, in even recent times, starting with Freud and, and, um, you know, the creation, then there's been an evolution to personality types and, and emotions through the works of, you know, uh, Myers and Briggs and, you know, who started with the first real business assessment. And then you get into a lot of other things. You works of Daniel, Daniel Coleman, who talked about leadership styles and emotional intelligence. I mean, there's been tons of stuff written on this. And, you know, when you distill it down, there's still only like four or five, kind of maybe six, depending on who you read, personality types. Some are more aggressive, some are more passive and everything in between. Does, does the personality type affect how easy it is for somebody to learn these behaviors and, and instill habits on it? And does this personality type affect how people respond in those situations? Um, what I find is, is that maybe their approach will differ a little bit, right? Like if I'm type A and yeah. I talk about the calendar, yeah. I'm going to put those things in the calendar. I'm definitely going to show up. Like, you know, I'm going to map it out and I'm going to approach it in a particular way. If I'm more of a creative type, then kind of like, like I just shared, I might notice more, I'm, I'm more emotional or feeling in my nature. And so I'm going to maybe do more like I talked about earlier, where it's like, oh, before I engage with a new person, before I talk, I'm going to check in. And so they'll just sort of approach it a little bit differently in terms of how they engage, where they might make it more um, you know, interactive for themselves where it's like, Oh, right before I have a meeting or right before I sit down and talk to somebody, I'm going to stop, take that moment and check in with where I am. As soon as I'm done with the conversation, I'm going to stop, check in and see where I am. So they might approach it differently. Um, in terms of the training itself, I've seen that the training itself um, is highly supportive across the board. Doesn't matter our orientation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. And so, you know, I wouldn't, 
certainly ask you to, to break any confidentialities, share names if inappropriate, everything. But um, do you have an example you could share with somebody who was really kind of locked up and and really needed to kind of, you know, learn this, this first stage, this, this self-awareness piece and start taking those first steps? Um, you know, what did that what did that work look like with a person? How long did it take them to, to kind of come through and build some habits? And, and what does it look now on the other side? Yeah, absolutely. So one, you know, the first client that comes to mind, um, she, uh, you know, it was a woman that I was working with and she was just inside of her first sort of, uh, like leadership position in, in Dell, um, where she was no longer just a strict salesperson, but she moved into a position where now she was managing a team, which is how a lot of us find ourselves in these positions. Like a lot of us aren't like trained on how to execute in these places. It's like, oh, you're doing well. And now there's a spot open. Go for it. Like, good job. Right. Good job. Good luck. Um, and so she kind of ended up there and she was sort of trying to drive her team the way she drove herself. And, you know, fast forward a little bit, part of why she hired me is because uh, her team was staging a coup against her, right? They were like, um, they were completely unhappy with her leadership ability and her leadership tactics. And they were like, we, we hate you. And they were literally planning on how do we get her out of here, right? So, so you know, that's kind of where we started, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I started, you know, saying, well, like, literally, let's pay attention. Where are you with your team? And she noticed like a lot of times happen, you know, you got top down pressure. So there's some anxiety there. There's stress there. There's a sense of overwhelm there. And as she engaged with her team, like not only was that impacting her team, but it gave her the inability to know where they were at. And so literally by doing, starting with what we just talked about, and I had to start checking in and going, oh, okay, when you're stressed and you're overwhelmed, don't talk to your team, right? Take a minute first. Don't make a strategy or plan, but rather breathe, center yourself. Let's relax. And then let's talk about how you can get the outcome that you're looking to get, which is the number that they need to hit for their sales mark, right? And when she started to do nothing other than approach the team from a calm, collected place, the team was more open to her. They started sharing with her. And just by her being in a more centered place within herself and out of that fight or flight response, she started naturally noticing where they were, right? When they were anxious, when they were afraid, which she wasn't able to pick up on those cues before. And she was also able to notice when they were passionate, when they were inspired, when they were in a good place. Like that was information that was completely unavailable before, you know, she was able to sort of get out of that space for herself. Um, we fast forward, uh, just something like a year later, um, she was promoted twice, uh, received leader of uh, leader of the year, uh, as an award, um, and, you know, ended up doing just, just phenomenally well. The upper C level exec started to kind of groom her and look to her for, you know, a pretty amazing trajectory and, and career path. Uh, that, that's a great success story. Um, and, you know, here we are, we're up on our next break already. So uh, let's take a couple of minutes and let's come back. And, uh, and I want to get a little bit deeper into maybe some of the actual techniques that, that, that you're using and how, how you work with people and how somebody could, could find the help or even do some of this themselves. So uh, again, stay tuned, everyone. We will be back in just a minute. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? 
optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience meeting organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. We're back one last time with Joey Klein. So, Joey, uh, before we went to the break, you shared a, I, th- I think it was a tremendous success story of um, this executive. And it, it did spark a question in my mind about um, the people that you work with. Now, you know, I know from our conversations that you have different ways that your organization work with people and you do some one-on-one coaching yourself. Uh, you know, what kind of people do you actually work with? I mean, if somebody wanted to come to, to, to you and work with you, uh, what would have to be their makeup to actually work with you directly versus, let's say, one of your other people? I'm just kind of curious. Sure thing. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my private clients tend to be in one of three spaces. They're either like, um, elite athletes, pro level athletes that are looking to perform, you know, at a higher level. Uh, number two, I train a lot of entrepreneurs at this point, you know, small to larger businesses and then, uh, people who are career driven, like the example that I gave earlier, uh, mostly execs, but sometimes I get some people in there who, who really just want a long-term career path and are looking to hit the mark there. Um, but, but mostly, you know, your, your higher level execs and managers who are looking to develop a different skill set than, than what you can find typically out there in your, in your most, most business training. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, like, like, like any of us, you know, our time's limited. So we, f- we focus where we can generate maybe the, the biggest bang for the buck. And for you, um, it's, it's some of these, um, some of these higher performing people. And yet you, you've got workshops and things so that, you know, even if you've just got the average, average person who wants to work on there themselves, they can, they can come to these public workshops as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like for me, it's all about impact. So yeah. like I, I only have so much time personally now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm in a place financially where I really don't, don't have to do this stuff. I do it cause I really love it. And so if I work with an entrepreneur and they really get on, on a certain point, right, they're going to influence hundreds or sometimes thousands of people. Um, and so that's why I put my focus there, but we've got, you know, seminars and programs that we put on, um, thousands of people engage with the organization and, and we can train people in, in any walk of life. Yeah. So, so, you know, you're really what you're describing and we talk about this in a lot of shows is, is you, you're also building a, a purpose driven company, you know, be purpose focused first and then everything else kind of comes together. How many, how many people do you have? I mean, so you, you know, be, you know, between you and let's say any of any of the facilitators that you, you know, employ or contract with, I mean, how, how big have you grown your organization over these years? 
Yeah, right now we've got, um, when we include our trainers, about 30 full-time uh, employees. Uh, we have 100 people right now in training to facilitate the curriculum inside of Intermatrix Systems. That's the system that I put together. Um, and then we've got thousands of clients that engage with the organization every year. So that, that's going to help you with your purpose of kind of affecting and positively affecting as many people as possible out there. Yeah, that, that's the name of the game. What I found by like going through school and, you know, as I grew up, like, like I could find training for, you know, business skill sets or these external skill sets or how do you exercise? How do you work out? How do you do math? Or how do you balance checkbook? Um, but I didn't find great training for, well, how do we learn to manage the mind and the emotions, which essentially drive everything that we do. And so that was the thing that I got really passionate about and wanted to make available to people in a way that they could get inside of it and actually see uh, results very quickly. So I, I kind of, I, I got kind of curious about, about your, your business. I mean, that's who I'm, I'm always wondering about that, but, but I do want to kind of come back to a couple of things. So you mentioned pro athletes and, and high, high performing, you know, executives and, and the like, but, but how actually do you work with these people? So, um, you know, give me an idea of what an engagement, you know, looks like. What, what are the things that you're teaching them? What, what is somebody going to learn when they, come to your, um, when they come to one of your workshops even? I mean, what, what are the techniques and what, what can you share with us today that could be a help to somebody who's listening on the call that maybe they can put right in? So we talked about some of the triggers and some of the self-awareness, but I'd love to go maybe one or two levels deeper. So, uh, you know, coming back to an example, either the one that you shared or if you've got another, maybe a professional athlete or, or something, but, but tell me how you help them kind of build these habits. How do you, how do you help them get in their own head and and really affect this change yeah yeah so i think the the best example i can give is you know when you watch like you know this great documentary it's in my mind because i watched this great documentary on michael jordan on netflix recently i don't know if you've, you've seen this thing or not but it's like when you have a michael jordan right like it's not he's not physically more uh capable than everybody else at that level i mean physically they're all about of equal capacity so what makes a Michael Jordan as opposed to the rest of the league where the best in the world point to that guy and go, he's obviously better. Right. Um, and, and typically it's, if they're doing something differently within their inner game, right. Emotionally and mentally, they're showing up with a different capacity that we often think of as the zone, um, than, than the rest of the field. Right. And we all are kind of aware that we have this self-talk, right? So that's kind of a, an example of, uh, of what's going on for all of us all the time. Now, if you're, a, if you're an NBA player or, you know, one of my clients was an elite cyclocross athlete where he would, you know, do 50 mile, 100 mile bike races, um, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the self-talk is still happening there but it directly translates to performance in a way that we don't normally see in our everyday lives because we're watching a game or we're actually in an event. And so what's cool though, is you tune that up and they, they learn a new, we'll call it inner dynamic. All of a sudden it immediately translates to a, a performance outcome, right? An increase in performance. The same is true for anybody else, right? Business, being a better dad, being a better mom, being a better spouse, etc. So what's the difference in self-talk between somebody who is, um, well, okay, if we use that cycle, that cycler that you just described or someone in business, what's the difference in self-talk between somebody who really wins and um, somebody who kind of struggles or just makes it through the motion? Yeah, the two biggest differences, the emotion they're able to decide to feel, meaning they can turn it on at will and the focus that shows up. The difference is they're able to um, train the emotion and the focus 
and be able to call it when they need it rather than it's there or it's not there, right? So they train it and then they can access it at will. Got like it. So, so how do you coach them to do that? So, so you know, here I am, I come to you and I wish I was a professional athlete, but no. Um, but, but okay, so executive in an organization and, and I, am, I am having this, I've got this wall in front of me and I can't seem to break through and, and I'm finding myself in a triggered state more often than not. I'm not even completely aware of it. Other people have told me about it and said, you're the guy to talk to. I mean, so how, how are you going to coach me through it? What, what am I going to be doing or, or what's going to help me the most in creating this change. Yeah. So essentially we want to do three things and, you know, we'll give you a simple way to for everybody to start getting inside of this. And obviously it can get very dynamic, but number one, we got to name it, which we talked about previously. We've got to know what's there. Otherwise we can't change it and realize that it's not going to produce the outcome we want. Number two, we've got to turn it off. We've got to center it. We've got to know how to stop it. Right. And then number three, we've got to redirect it. And basically, we got to get good at those three things. Now, the simple way to get inside that process, right, like, like that cyclocross athlete that I talked to you about, um, he, he was winning, 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 winning. Like he never lost almost, right? Then all of a sudden, he was losing, 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 and he never won. And he's like, I don't understand what's going on, right? And it was interesting because the difference that was there as opposed to not there was his daughter used to come to every race. But then she got older and she had to go to school. And so he went from I'm racing and feeling so proud that his family's there and wanting to be this great example for his daughter to feeling guilt when he's racing because he feels like he should be with her daughter and he's on the road and she's in school. And he didn't notice that inner dynamic change. And so that's what had him go from performing at an elite level to all of a sudden not being able to win at all because he was literally in an emotional dynamic that changed everything about the way he was focused. Do you right? find, do you find that, that for people who have had that kind of shift from always winning, to always lo- losing, that there is some level of triggering event that they, they may not know or may not recognize. It's, it's always an emotional pattern that had them shift their, their capacity. Now, yes, it might be a life event, like a transition that we don't notice, but, but the life event has, has activated a new emotional pattern, which then changes the mental focus. And that's the, the reason for either performing or not performing. And if you look at, you know, someone who wants to perform at a level they've never performed at, that inner dynamic is going to determine whether they ever get there or not, or if they have the chance to do it or not. So, um, okay. So let's, let's go to that second person. Um, you know, boy, I can think of a lot of examples of, of times when I have met people or tried to work with people or coach people that, you know, as, as somebody on the outside watching them, you just see all this potential. Yeah. And, and yet, for whatever reason, they themselves have never experienced the win. Right. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I can think of, I can think of those situations. So they don't even they've not even had that shift where they've experienced the win. And then all of a sudden something's happened. I'm not winning anymore. I have to do something about it. They themselves just don't even recognize that capabilities there. Have you ever coached anybody like that? And how do you help somebody like that see their potential and, and move in that positive direction? Yeah. So, so somebody that's never known the win, so to speak, regardless of what the focus is, business or sports, and they want to get there is you have to realize or you have to support them to realize and see they're expecting the loss, right? They're not expecting a win, right? They're emotionally, they've already accepted they're not going to do well. And, and, and mentally, they're not focused on the win. They're focused on something else. So the key with individuals like that is to teach them, like, hey, let's pay attention that you actually have already written yourself off. 
and and the way in which you're thinking and approaching this thing that you're doing um, is 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 indicating that, which is causing the result. So we've got to teach them how to access. Well, wait, I, I can do it. There's opportunity there, right? Instead of uh, self criticism, cutting themselves down on some level, we've got to get into affirming them and realizing this is possible for me in the same way it's possible for others. And so when when you start getting them to focus on the win in a particular way, and they feel like they're they're going to progress toward that from an inner reality, now their actions start to change. Yeah, that's that's excellent, and it's it's something I guess you know I, I hadn't thought about till you just said it that 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 sometimes these people have already written themselves off, um, and you know part of me says what a sad place to be, but if they don't know any better, um, you know maybe they just live in this this world that that they don't have that accomplishment, they don't have that level of fulfillment, and I you know I just can't help but wonder what it feels like to start feeling that win. Yeah, exactly. Another way to say it is they're they're expecting a result. And they're getting their expectation. People who tend to win and perform at a high level are also expecting a result, and they ultimately get what they're expecting. So um, here, here's a here's kind of a loaded question, I guess. But in the business world, is the, is there a place where everybody can win? I mean, you know, we we've always heard those cliches that that well, there can only be one winner in any race, you know. And and you know, I I heard one once, you know, well, second place is the first loser, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there are some very competitive things. I mean, even in, in martial arts, I mean, when you when you talked about you know your shift, um, you know, here you are a three time world champion. Somebody had to lose to be there, but in the business world, can we create a scenario where everybody wins? Uh, I mean, that's part of why I love business is because in today's reality, the individuals who show up and understand that everybody wins and can win and they collaborate that way are fundamentally the most successful people, period, end of story. And because there's not one single niche, like martial arts is a, is a specific sport, right? that may be for somebody it may not be for people when you come into the business world i mean there are any number of things that you can choose to drive inside of and develop skills and talent that will directly relate to fulfillment for who that person is and so if we line up who we want to be and and our value system and we tie that to where we want to perform in the business world that's the right fit for us like there is no doubt in my mind that we can all win and win big in the way that winning makes sense for us right some people it might be making million dollars a year for other people it might be uh, i'm not so concerned with the salary but i'm making contribution so it all starts with well, what's a win mean for me and then we start to go okay how do i go after it yeah and and mindset becomes so very very important and obviously it's what we're talking about and it's funny because i think you know with the sports analogies you know, many of us are, are used to, to seeing the stories. You mentioned the Michael Jordan story on Netflix, but, you know, even if I think about great golfers, you know, how often have we talked about, well, it's such a mind game or, you know, we hear about the, the mindset of the employee, but we don't talk as much about the mindset of the executive or even just the, the line level employee. I mean, winning can take on so many different things at so many different levels and it can have so many different meanings. Um, but defining it for yourself and giving yourself something to target, I think, is a very, very important first step. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and to understand that the performance mindset is trained. It doesn't just happen. Like anybody who's performing at an elite level or a high level or getting outcomes that they want in their life, whether they realize it or not, 
that way of thinking and the emotions that drive it were trained. They developed that through something. And so if we realize that that development of our emotional and mental capacity and developing a performance mindset is something that anybody can train, they just need the right skills and tools, um, that gives you the edge, especially today because so many people aren't focused on it or don't have access to focusing on that in a way that actually produces the result. Like you go to the gym, you hire a trainer, they can teach you how to you know, eat well and you know, get physically fit. If you follow the plan, it's going to work. Uh, I find the same is true for emotional and mental development, uh, nervous system development. If you have the plan and you're doing the right things, you're going to see a difference. It's going to work, uh, period, end of story. Well, and, and maybe the last, the last comment um, before we have to wrap it, but the last thing I think about is there, is there has to be a desire that drives action. So, you know, yeah, going to the gym is great. Um, hiring a trainer is great. But if you don't have the desire, the, you know, the vision to see what you want at the end of, of, of whatever training or to, to build the habits and the desire to make it happen, um, you're going to look the same you know, six months down the road, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have that progress. And I think right now, you know, we, we talked about how everything is, is so we're all inundated with so much stress and, and time. And we're not sleeping and all that stuff that I, I think emotionally it, it even is, is exhausting to say, wait a second, you know, I don't have the time for this. I don't have the energy for this. And yet if we don't invest in ourselves, if we don't make the time, if we don't establish discipline then we're not gonna we're not gonna realize the results. Nothing comes easy. You don't you don't become a Michael Jordan or or you know a professional athlete overnight. I mean, you can't just we can't stop this radio show and all of a sudden everybody just decides you know okay starting now I'm gonna be more mindful. I'm gonna make this happen. I'm gonna I mean that doesn't happen. There's there's discipline and practice that's required, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to start somewhere. And as I say, like if you're the person that says I just don't have time for this then you're the person who I say needs to declare a state of emergency and you need to make time because your life is completely out of control. Right. That's, that's, that's excellent thinking. And gosh, we're we're already, I mean, we're already out of time and uh, you know, we could probably go a lot longer. I'd love to have a few hours to talk with you on this stuff, but you know, if you want more of, of, of Joey Klein, there are ways that you can have access and uh, probably one of the simplest ways is to look them up online. Like, like we do anybody else. Um, Joey, Joey, what's the best way for somebody to find you, your work, your, your workshops, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. The, the two best places to land, uh, joeyklein.com, my name, J-O-E-Y-K-L-E-I-N.com. And the second place, uh, innermatrix.com, I-N-N-E-R-M-A-T-R-I-X.com. And that'll get you access to, to my Intermatrix systems, my work, the book, etc. Great places to begin the journey. Well, and if any of you have have a, a question too, you're always welcome to email me through the Voice America Network. Um, our, our you know direct email, direct contact is available through the uh, show's website. You can also find me at listener at transformativeexperts.com. Um, my website, the Chris Elias, or actually that's our handle on on Twitter and um, LinkedIn. You can just look up the Chris Elias. There's lots of Chris Eliases out there, so that's what we came up with. Um, but find me that way, um, chrisliasauthor.com website. So we've got lots of different sources. Find, find us, and, and I'll be happy to hook you up with Joey, or, or you can find him directly. Joey, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate your being with me today. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, this was fun. And so, um, everyone, it's glad to have you on the show and listening today. And, um, you know, please stay tuned. We've got more great guests coming. And uh, until next time, have a great week and um, hope to connect with everybody soon. Take care. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.